0: Praise the Lord and God bless you. This is Apostle Dr. Delisa Rogers, and I am honored to bring the word to you today. This is the day that the Lord has made, and we will be glad and we will rejoice in it. I want you to join along with me as I turn to the book of 2 Kings chapter five. We are continuing our relationships um, series. It is entitled Overcoming Challenging Relationships, which we all have challenging relationships. And so this series was birthed out of family matters that we talked about in March. And when I tell you that the Lord moved in mighty ways in that series, the feedback that I received, the breakthroughs that the people of God experienced, the deliverance that we witnessed was just incredible. And so as I was seeking the Lord about how to uh, proceed for the month of April, he said, keep going. And so here we are, and we're talking about overcoming challenging relationships. Um, You're going to find me in 2 Kings chapter 5, and I'm going to be talking about a relationship that occurred between Elisha and Gehazi. Now, Elisha was the mighty prophet of God, mighty man of God. He served under Elijah, so you can imagine the transfer of mantle, the transfer of anointing that took place between Elijah and Elisha. And Elisha, the Bible says, begin to perform twice as many miracles as Elijah did. Um, Elisha raised from the dead. Elisha, there was a situation where the sons of the prophets were eating, and they discovered that there was poison in the pot. And Elisha performed a miracle by neutralizing the acid or the poison, and he healed the food. He healed the bowl. Uh, he performed miracles with food. He performed miracles in the in widow in the life of a widow. So many miracles that Elisha performed that, uh, you know, over the period of time, we come to this particular event in his life and something is happening here. Now, when I say that this relationship that we're going to talk about is between Elisha and Gehazi, I don't want you to just read what we talk about here and then sum up the whole conclusion of the matter. Because there were things happening prior to this. This was the straw that broke the camel's back. So many times we come into a situation, right? And we come on the end of it and we'll try to judge, well, he should have been this, or she should have did that. And we don't really understand the entire, the Bible says the whole conclusion. We haven't heard the whole conclusion of the matter. When, when we talk about what's happening here, this breakdown of relationship between Gehazi and Elisha, I want you to understand that there were things that led up to this, okay? So my topic today is going to be the sting of betrayal in relationship. The sting of betrayal in relationship. Again, we're coming out of 2 Kings chapter five. Now I'm not gonna read the whole thing to you. Um, I'm gonna trust that you will in your own devotion read if you're not familiar with it you know go back and and become familiar with the text but what is happening here there's a man by the name of Naaman and Naaman had been afflicted with leprosy and so one of his servants mentioned the fact that um Elisha was a man of God that could heal him and so Naaman makes his way, and I'm paraphrasing a lot for the sake of time. But Naaman makes his way to see Elisha so that he can be healed. Leprosy is is you know a, a terminal, was a terminal illness at that time. You would be excommunicated, and so you know this was a big thing. You know you would he you would go the extra mile to receive that healing because it just wasn't available. And so when that, that servant said to him, "You need to go and see the prophet Elisha," he went about his business. He packed up took gifts and things with him to go see the man of God. So when Naaman arrived to see Elisha, God had already revealed to the man of God what was happening. God revealed to Elisha Naaman's heart. This man was a general in his in the army. He was very... Um, uh, what's the word, De- a very decorated decorated officer. So he was used to that pomp and the noise and all of that stuff. And Elisha being a man of God was just not interested, right? I mean, you know, he just, and if you're a prophet, a real prophet, you gotta know there's not much that impresses you. And, and, it, and it's not, you're not arrogant or cocky when you say that, but when you're used to the supernatural realm, some of what we see on this natural realm is there's little to no excitement there. Right There's just no comparison. And so regardless to how decorated Naaman was as a soldier and a general and all of this stuff, no matter how many battles he's won and victories were attributed under his military leadership, Elisha was not interested at all, was not impressed at all. And so Naaman is under the assumption, and again, I'm in Second Kings 5, just giving you a little history here. And so Naaman is under the impression that uh, Elisha is going to come out and make this big noise and abracadabra, and, you know, he's going to receive his healing, right? And he's going to go on his merry way. And that is not what happened because prophets are unpredictable. And so Elisha says, tell him to go dip in the River Jordan. The Jordan River was the most dirtiest river during that time. And so that was an affront to Naaman, because here he is, he's this big man. And what do you mean you want me to dip in this dirty uh, water? And so there's this conversation that goes back and forth. And at the end of the day, one of Naaman's servants said, man, a God, uh, uh, excuse me, servant general, just go dip in the water. (laughs) And you know how we do sometimes, we fight back and forth. And then at the end of the day, man, just let me go ahead and do it. So Naaman goes on and he dips in the water and the leprosy has cleansed. God heals him at the word of the prophet um, Elisha. Now, Gehazi, who is Elisha's armor bearer, is his servant, his minister, is watching this whole thing. No doubt he knows, everybody knows about Naaman and who he is. Come on, this man was a very uh, popular man. His his reputation precedes him. And so Gehazi is watching and he's observing everything because he's close to Elisha, as he should. And so he's watching, he's observing. And again, Elisha just doesn't, he's totally unbothered, right? He doesn't want to be a part of none of that. And probably has his own feelings about what he should do for Naaman. But at any rate, he obeyed what the spirit of God told him to do. And that was that. He didn't want any reward. Naaman was trying to offer him money, trying to offer clothes and gold. And Elisha was like, man, take that stuff back with you. I don't don't need that, right? But Gehazi sees an opportunity to to take advantage of the, the reward that truly belonged to Elisha that he turned down. And he had his reasons. Number one, you, you have to be careful. And I often say this about accepting gifts. Many times we accept, accept gifts from people and then we find ourselves obligated. Now, you know, they're pulling on you for favors or what have you. And so be very mindful about gift uh, receiving gifts um some gifts have strings attached and so elijah was like no you won't go back and tell them that you paid me you know god is going to get the glory for this right and so elijah was like no take your money with you i don't want to tell them to take it with you but gehazi now is operating in a spirit of greed and in a spirit of deceit and in a spirit of disloyalty and betrayal and several other spirits but mind you because i don't want you to say well oh my god you know you this is just one situation but it's really not you will find over the over a course of time that Gehazi served elisha you would find a breakdown in his personality and a breakdown in his conduct of character. So this doesn't this wasn't just an isolated event or situation this, these there were some things happening in Gehazi's character that had been happening for a while that elisha had to continue to check him with. And so, again, you have to be mindful that many times people will tell you what they want to tell you. Well, you know, all I did was go and get some money from the man, you know, I was doing it for him. And then there's a tendency to feel sorry and show pity for people, but you don't know the whole story. You don't know that Gehazi had long time, for a long time, had been showing deficiency in character and Elisha knew it, right? So Gehazi runs after Naaman after Elisha refuses the gift. Gehazi runs behind him and says, in essence, and again, I'm paraphrasing, okay? And he says to him, um, oh, my master wants me to take a little this and a little that. He didn't want to take all of it because you got to hide that stuff down, right? And so he says, you know, my master changed his mind. He sent me X, Y, Z, whatever. So Naaman was like, "Hey, no problem, right?" Because he, he wanted to give, he wanted to show appreciation for his healing and so forth. And so it wasn't an issue. That wasn't an issue to him at all. But it was a heart issue for Gehazi. So Gehazi goes behind uh, Naaman and, and takes the stuff and then he hides it. Now I do want to read the scripture to you because I want to dif- I want to explore the content here. And this is found in Second Kings chapter five. Let me put on my spectacles. Second Kings chapter five. And um, let's look at, let's see, verse 20. Let's look at verse 20. Second Kings chapter five, verse 20 says, Bocahazi, the servant of Elisha, the man of God. The Bible is very specific. You are serving a man of God. In other words, you, you know, you shouldn't betray anybody. Point blank, period. But much less a prophet, much less this kind of prophet, right? Elisha was the type of prophet that would call fire down from heaven. Elisha was the type of prophet when Gehazi saw the armies coming against him and he began to faint in his spirit. uh, Elisha said, Lord, open my servant's eyes so that he can see that there be more with more with us than against us. And what happened? God opened up. There was a, a seer anointing that was activated. Okay, in Gehazi, God lifted the veil, the scales off his eyes. Gehazi was able to see the chariots, mountains of horses and fires and chariots in the mountains, right? So, so again, where Gehazi was fainting in his faith, and oh my God, we're going to be overcome, they're going to kill us. And, and Elisha had to praise so the Lord, open his man, I let him see. You see what I'm saying? Then there was another situation to where a a, a woman, a shooter. I think it was, um, I can't remember that woman's name, but at any rate, her son died, right? The Shunammite woman, her son died. And um, Elisha told Gehazi, because you're connected to me. And so we're supposed to have the same spirit. Remember, Elisha was connected to Elijah. And so when Elisha picked up Elijah's mantle, he operated in that same spirit. I'm still talking about betrayal. Because when you're close with someone, you expect them to have your spirit. There's a soul tie there. And we're supposed to be on the same page. Now, that doesn't mean we're going to do everything the same way, right? There's diversities of gifts, but it's that one Holy Spirit. And so we're supposed to have all things in common. In other words, you know, if, if you should know my heart. You should know uh, what... My tendency, you know, what I would do or what I wouldn't do. You should know the things that move me. You should know the things that heat that 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 uh, uh, um, frustrate me. You should know the things that make me a little heated under my collar. We've been walking together. We've been in relationship, whatever relationship that looks like, for an extended period of time. You should know me by now. And so even Jesus poses this question to the disciples, right? After a period of ministering with them, after a period of discipling, I mean, he says, who am I? Who do you who does men say that I am? And so there is that expectation that when you are in relationship, you're serving someone in relationship, whatever that relationship capacity looks like. You, you should know each other by the spirit. You should know, um, you know, let me just put some meat on the bones. For example, as a mother, you know, and I have five children, I know them each differently. I have a, a relationship with every one of them. But I know them, I know them, yeah, by their flesh, of course, but I also know them by their spirit. I know, what's, I know what can set them off. I know what they like. I know what brings them joy. I know what breaks their heart. Why? Because we're in a relationship. And so if I were to do something with the intentional knowledge, you know, of knowing this is going to offend so-and-so, then I'm, I'm bringing great harm to that relationship. Okay. And so this was the issue that Jesus had even with Judas. He said, didn't I choose all of you? In other words, I chose you to be a part of my life. I chose you to walk beside me. I chose you to bear witness to the works that God is doing in me and through me and, 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 and for the people. And even in that, one of you is a devil, you would betray me. David said, you know, it was my own familiar kin that lifted his heel, the one who ate at my table lifted up his heel against me. So it happens, um, people of God. It happens in relationships that are God ordained. And I, I wanna stress this because sometimes there is that, thought or or that mentality that, well, if God put it together, there can't be any problems. The Lord sent me to you or God connected us. And let me tell you something, God, whether God connected you or not. Okay. You still have a responsibility to be upright and honest in that relationship, whatever that relationship is. If someone has opened the doors of their soul to allow you to join them in whatever venture, business, ministry, relationship, whatever that thing is, then you have a responsibility to walk upright and to not betray that person's trust, not to exhibit signs of disloyalty, not to make them wonder, are you really with me? Because here's the question, I've seen this a lot. If you have to wonder about a person's loyalty, that's that, that's the sign right there that there are problems in, the, in that relationship. If you have to wonder now, I wonder, and, and so I wanna again put some meat on the bones because this is what happens here with Gehazi and Elisha. Elisha, remember I told you, Gehazi goes behind Naaman and he takes up, I think I was reading this, wasn't and And he takes up some of the stuff. So in verse 20, let me read that to you. Second Kings 5, 20. But Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, the man of God said, behold, my master has spared Naaman the Syrian and not receiving, but listen, as the Lord lives. Don't you love that when people betray you in the name of the Lord, the Lord told me, oh, I heard God, or I saw a dream and they're betraying you in the name of the Lord. That's in the Bible. I'm not making this up as incredible as it sounds. He said, but as the Lord lives, I will run after him and take something from him. The Bible says, so Gehazi followed after Naaman. Now, people of God, the Bible says, when we seek the kingdom and his righteousness, all these things will be added. So there are blessings or mantles or breakthroughs or deliverances or whatever it is that you believe in God for that are supposed to be added to your life. So if you find yourself chasing something, you've got to ask yourself, is this what God is doing? If I've got to chase it, and not only if I have to chase it, but am I pursuing this in darkness? I'm just saying, am I pursuing this? Because listen, if this is what God is doing, he said, ask the Lord live, why not, tell, why not tell Elisha? So we've got to watch some of the ways that we process some of our decisions. You know what I'm saying? And we'll say, I'm going to do this, but I won't let nobody know. Then is, are you really doing it out of the uprightness of your heart? Or are you working in deceit? Because you can't do it. It ain't both. It's one or the other. Either you're walking upright or you're operating in deceit. There, there's no shade of gray. It's either black or white. And in this particular instance, Gehazi was operating in deceit. How can you operate in deceit and you serve a prophet? And so here's what happens, right? Gehazi follows after him, verse 21. And when Naaman saw him running after him, again, he's running, right? He's running. Because this is something out of your own effort. And we see this a lot in the body of Christ, even in relationships, people are running after things. They're not waiting for God to present it to them or, or waiting for God to um, draw these things together, right? It's They're chasing it. They're chasing it. Any blessing, the, the word of God says, the blessings of the Lord make rich and add no sorrow. There's always going to be sorrow when you have to chase something. you got to chase somebody. You know what I'm saying? These are issues of integrity. How much worth have you ascribed to yourself if you're always chasing? You're always running behind something. The Bible says, so Gehazi followed after Naaman. And when Naaman saw him running after him, he lighted down, jumped off the, the front of the chariot and said, is everything okay? Because here, now, wait a minute, you were the man of God's servant, I'm a bearer. And I'm, he clearly told me, I don't want anything from you. Go home with your healed self. And now all of a sudden I'm hearing this noise behind me and I'm turning around and here's this man's so armor bearer. Do you know how embarrassing that is? And I want to talk about that for a minute because when we talk about the sting of betrayal in relationships, do you know how embarrassing it is to, to, to know or, or to to find out that a person you've entrusted your life with, right, uh, entrusted things concerning your life with, have betrayed you. It's humiliating. It is a crushing. It is a. It, it is a. It, it is a tearing away at the soul. It is. A, it is an offense, and it is a wound. It's a wound to that person's soul because here we had a soul tie. We had a godly soul type because it was mutual. You know that what we're doing. You know what we're called to do. Let's go ahead and get the work of God done. But in that, somebody drops the ball and somebody begins to operate in a spirit that brings great harm. This can happen in a marriage where the two of you stand before God, the minister, and in front of your people. And you vow till death do us part, sickness and health, rich or poor, what have you. And then everything goes well. The soul ties form. It's a good soul tie. It's a godly soul tie for the most part. And then somebody drops that end of the covenant. Now what happens? Now there's there's sorrow, there's heartbreak, children involved, people, family members involved, money is involved, real estate, property is involved, lawyers are involved, and then it ultimately ends in divorce, which the word divorce is death. And it's a sorrow. And what's so bad about divorce, and well, I talked about that in our family matter series, is that you're grieving somebody who is still alive. That's the danger, but that's that's the harmful thing about divorce, is it's a death, but you still see the people living, <laughs> you know. And so it, it takes God, it takes counseling, it takes much prayer to get through that, okay? Uh to a greater or lesser degree. But Again, these are the woes and the sorrows that are inflicted upon the heart of man when they're in relationships that experience betrayal. It is a sting. It is a sting. And even Jesus talked about the sting of death, right? Who was responsible for his death? Judas. It was a sting. My own friend, my own familiar friend, one who lifted up his one who ate at my table, my own brother that lifted his heel against me and served me up. Now, Judas served Jesus up to the the uh to religious leaders, but when you are betrayed, they serve you up to pain. They serve you up to heartache. Now you, 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 you're unable to sleep. You know what I'm saying? You, you, you lost your appetite. You are unable to function at work. You've been served up to pain because you trusted in someone who didn't value your worth, who didn't uphold the end of that bargain. Now, let me just say, cause I'm hearing God, some of you may be the traitors in a relationship. And so maybe this message is to help you see what it looks like on the other side of that coin, on the other side of that situation. That maybe you walked away and said, you know what, forget it, it happened, I'm over, and it's, uh, it's over and done with. But it, it may be over and done with for you, but what about the person you leave behind? And I'm gonna talk about that in just a few moments. But here's what we need to consider in relationships, okay, uh, is that, when you enter into a relationship or a covenant or whatever your thing is, and you 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 form soul ties, a good godly soul tie, and each of you are trusting the other to mean me good. That's what the um, the um, miss for covenant is. May the Lord watch between me and thee while we're absent one from another, from another. Many churches say that at their benediction, but do you really understand what that's birthed out of? These were two people. I can't remember now who it was, but they were at war with one another. And they decided, hey, we're going to go our separate ways. But while my back is turned, don't come for me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Don't come for me. I'm going to leave you alone. You leave me alone. And and so just, you know, just stay on your side. I'll stay on my side, and we'll be good. And so that was uh, it. Was um, it formed or created the Mizpah, M I Z P E H? I think it is mizpa Covenant. And so, in other words, it's like I think the word mizpa is a watchtower. In other words, God is going to be watching how you you know, your conduct toward me while I'm not in your presence. That's powerful because the Bible talks about this in the last days that men will be lovers of themselves. And one of the key manifestations that we'll see of an end time apostasy, a falling away and not a falling away of church, but we're talking about a falling away of the faith. And let me tell you something, don't be fooled and don't be deceived. It is happening like you've never seen it before. And I'm not going to share too much about it because some of you may not be able to handle it on that level. But what I'm saying is it is happening. But one of the key manifestations of that end time apostasy, people falling away from the faith, is traitors. Traitors, where people will betray you and don't even give it a second thought. They will inflict wounds and like Gehazi did, call it God. The Lord said And you would be amazed at how many people are going to God. Listen to me carefully, because I'm going to show you this in scripture. You would be amazed about how many people of God are going to God about things that people of God have done to them. I'm going to say that again, slow. You would be amazed by how many people of God are going to God because of what people of God have done to them. You would be amazed about the betrayal. When they have opened up their heart, opened up their bosom, opened up their soul, extended time, extended opportunity. And then when the person gets what they want, I'm out. And you leave a wound in a person's soul that only God can heal. I'm going to show it to you in scripture. Let's move on. Let's continue to build this case. So here you find the Bible says, okay, Hazy, pardon me. You know, because I hear people say, you take your glasses, don't take them off. Listen, I have... uh, 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 what do you call it? Progressive lenses. And I haven't really learned how to use them You know, a whole lot. I don't want to wear the bifocals, praise God. So these, it's really hard for me to keep them on if I'm not reading. So I apologize that this is irritating interview because some people get a- offended by that and I apologize, but I just, I'm learning. Okay. My eyes are getting older. I'm getting older and the vision is not what it used to be. So I, I do have to swap and I'm not wearing contacts. I just don't believe it. I, I'm scared of putting anything in my eye. So Gehazi followed after Naaman. We're in 2 Kings 5.21. And when Naaman saw him running after him, he jumped out the chariot. Is everything well? 22. Gehazi says, all is well. Listen to me, people of God. My master sent me, saying, behold, even now there become to me from Mount Ephraim two young men of the sons of prophets. Give them, I pray thee, a talent of silver and two changes of garments. you see how he lied? And remember, I told you many times We look at the end of a situation and we judge the end and and we don't look at the beginning of it. The Bible says, let us hear the whole conclusion of a matter. When a person betrays you, that ultimate act is just a manifestation. The betrayal had already taken place in their heart. It had already taken place in their mind. So when this act happened between Gehazi and Naaman, that final manifestation, that was just a manifestation of it. It was time for that devil to be looked. It was just time. Again the same thing with Judas. Judas did not betray Jesus when Jude when Jesus exposed Judas. Did you hear what I said? Judas did not expose Jesus when excuse me, G- Judas did not betray Jesus when he was exposed. Judas had long time ago betrayed G- uh, Jesus. Jesus just got, got to the point where it is time to be exposed. And so here's what you need to understand. Many times you'll find out, Oh, they were cheating on me. Oh, they were lying on me and you become hurt because you finally find out. But many times the truth of the matter is they had already been doing it. They just got caught. They had already been doing it. And that time, excuse me, of exposure was at hand for them. But the, 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 that's what about the, the Lord talks about the heart. People can say to you all day long, I'm with you, woman of God, man of God, I'm here. I'm, and, and many times, don't get me wrong, they mean well. In most cases, people, they, they really want to believe that they can mean you well. But you can't mean someone well without being totally submitted to Christ. Whether you mean them well as a friend, as a family member, as a spouse, as a business partner or employee or whatever your life thing is, you cannot, you cannot be a good husband, a good wife, a good minister, a good coworker. You can't do anything good without God. And so no matter how well meaning and how well intending a person sounds or may think they are when they make you these promises, I vow to be with you, I vow to love you. Without Christ, it is impossible. You need Christ, you need the mind of Christ. Because when you're in relationship with people, you are going to have temptation. All over the place. Now, this can be uh, a, a temptation to change jobs. You, it can be a temptation to change churches. It can be a temptation to change bed partners. It can be a temptation to change friendships. But you know, the Bible says the enemy comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. So even though you say, "Hey, I'm with you and I'll never leave you," we live in a world filled with temptation. People are always extending offers for you to come over here. You see what I'm saying? And if you don't have the mind of Christ, The Bible said my sheep hear my voice and the voice of a stranger. The the unfortunate thing is many people are listening to the voice of a stranger and they're calling it God because they have a form of God. But they deny the power. What is the power of God? Holiness, righteousness. But this man of God says here, the man of God told me to come to you so you can be that bold of a liar. In the presence of one of the chief prophets of that time, this prophet called down fire from heaven and killed captains of 50 people at a time. But that's how callous Gehazi became is that he could sit in the presence of someone like that and still betray them. Same thing with Judas judas knew jesus was the messiah he heard the conversations when jesus said who you say that i am and peter said you're you're the son you're the son of god son the most high god and he judas was there when he, he said flesh and blood has not revealed this to you peter but my father has revealed it to you by his spirit judas heard that but his heart became so callous this is why it's so dangerous to become common with glory with the glory of god and then this is where the sin of familiarity comes in where people who have been with you, have spent time with you, and, and they become so common to where they disrespect you and it doesn't even bother them. You know what I'm saying? They used to they used to put a handle on your name. Now they call you by your nickname. Do you see what I'm saying? The disrespect has, excuse me, the respect has gone out of the window because they become common with you. They don't see you where you are. They, they you know, they see you in a lesser light now. And so somehow over the course of Gehazi serving with Elisha, no doubt he's seen Elisha at some of his not so great days. And perhaps because of that, he lost respect for him. And so he felt it was okay. Oh, the man of God told me, the man of God said the man of God. And so you're lying and you're boldly lying. I mean, you know what I'm saying? You're boldly lying. And then you made up this, you concocted this entire lie. You lied and you concocted a lie to lie. That's what he did. But you are, you are you're the armor bearer. You're the servant. You're the minister of this mighty prophet. So let's go on, okay? Let me read. And he said, all is well, this is verse 22. So 23, Naaman goes ahead and gives because he doesn't know any difference and it doesn't matter, right? He, he's just happy to give. He's, he's healed. He can go home to his wife. He can show up and be around people. He's good. And so when he came to the tower, look at verse 24, people of God, the Bible said, Here we go again. Deficiency in character is Gehazi hides the stuff. He hides it. Number one, you ran without telling Elisha where you went. Number two, you're running. (laughs) Number three, you're lying. Number four, you're hiding stuff. Do you see how all that works together? Verse 25, but he went in, and that's kind of where I'm parking there and trying to close I believe it or not. But he went in and he stood before his master. This is what the Bible says in 2 Kings 5.25. After Dehazy did all of that, he went back to Elisha and presented himself before him as if he had done nothing wrong. You're talking about somebody cold. That's like you in a marriage with someone and and they have messed around and did whatever they wanted to do. And they come home as if it's just an ordinary day. They are coming home, washing their hands, sit down at the table eat dinner. Or you're in a friendship with somebody and they'd say, you know what, I'm going to, my phone is going to be off for the next two days. So, you know, if you try to reach me, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm, you know, I, I'm going to be under the radar and then come to find out they were hanging out with somebody that, that, you know, what I'm saying that, you know, does not have your best interests at heart or are you a business partnership. And they're telling you about a meeting and they give you one time when the time is really a, diff- a, a different time so that you deliberately missed the a meeting, they show up and they execute a contract and leave you out. But they'll show up to you and act as if nothing is wrong. The sting of betrayal in relationships, y'all. This stuff is real. And many people are broken, right? Their spirits are broken. Their spirits are crushed. The Bible says the Lord is near to the broken in heart because, because of this, because of this, because they have opened up their heart and they have loved someone who didn't love them back, in whatever capacity they've opened up their heart and they trusted someone who didn't trust, who who, who didn't uh, walk worthy or uh, you know maintain that level of trust. So the Bible says he went in and stood before Gehazi, excuse me, Elisha. And the Bible says Elisha said to him, "Where are you coming from, Gehazi?" <laughs> and the Gehazi says, "I didn't go. Listen, thy servant went nowhere. I, you know." What? Do you know who you're talking to? And and most of you know, especially women, you know, because we have this intuition with the spirit of God is called discernment. But we've all been born with a measure of intuition where you just kind of feel things. And you may say, I don't I can't put my hand on it. Right. I can't I can't make sense out of it but i know something's wrong that's that intuition we were born with that but in christ you know it the super comes over that natural get thing and it's discernment you can feel like oh, something is wrong something is uh uh-uh, uh uh <laughs> listen and god will reveal it i don't know what it is right now but i know that god is going to reveal it right and so elisha says to gehazi where you got where you, where'd you go and gehazi says oh i didn't go anywhere that servant went nowhere right and so, so Elisha says to him, "Listen, did not my heart go with you?" In other words, we've been together for so long that we we've got a bond. I can feel when you betray me. I can, I, and he says he's saying to to Gazi, "I felt when you left. I felt, I felt the I felt the the, the stab. I felt the wound. I felt it, right." and and so that's why when jesus got ready to expose judas he said everybody is it i master is it i because guess what you don't really know what's in your heart why would you say master is it i if you don't have that in you so we don't really know what's in us the bible says the heart is deceitfully wicked who can know it but god you don't really know and so everybody was wondering like is it me did i do something you know and um and and so but the lord said no it's the one who's dipping in the bowl with me he's the one right? And then at that point, the full exposure came. And even then, Judas did not say, Jesus, I'm sorry, forgive me. (laughs) Hurry up and leave. They're on the way. He never tried to fix it, y'all. Gehazi did not try to fix it. He could have said to Elisha, you know what? You got me. You're right. I went behind Naaman, and this is what I did. I don't know what I was thinking. I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. I'll return it or whatever, you know, punishment or consequence. I'll just, whatever." He didn't do it. He held on to his betrayal. And that, it added to the act he had already done. You know what I'm saying? It's bad enough that you lie about what you did, but then when you're confronted with it, you lie on top of that lie. That's why the Lord said, liars will not tarry in my sight. God hates a liar. He hates a liar. Matter of fact, he said, you are of your father, the devil. He's the father of a liar. So when you find a person operating in a lying spirit, those are not, those spirits are not fruit of the Holy Spirit. That is evidence that you have a person operating in the seed. And it's just a matter of time. Unless they repent and do their works, first works over, that person is going to suffer the consequences of that. And that ain't nothing you got to pray. I pray God. No, these are that's just principle. You have to, you got to suffer consequence of that, right? You sowed that seed, you gotta reap that seed. And so now when you're entering into a relationship or covenant, then you can't expect someone to be loyal to you because you haven't sown loyal seeds. Do you see what I'm saying? And so when we talk about overcoming challenges, relationships, it's so important that you understand that if you're not healthy enough, and I mean like mentally and emotionally healthy enough to enter into a relationship, don't. Because if you hurt someone and if you walk away and never try to make amends, you never try to fix it, you will reap that. God is not mocked. whatever man sow. That's what he reaps. And so this is why we find many, even in the body of Christ, even some who are among us, it's hard for them to find a friend, you know, a friend girl or a friend guy, you know, just somebody to kick it with. Because you weren't that friend. It's hard for them to connect in a relationship because you damage people and you just went on, you never went back to fix it. You sowed seeds of discord, you sowed seeds of unrest, you hurt somebody, you wounded somebody, and then you ask them, God, Lord, send me another, saint, or Saul, send me some help. And God was like, why would I do that when you have broken this person down? So I'm, I'm trying to wrap this up, but I want you guys to get it, okay? And this is something, you know, we, we, we talk about preaching the gospel, but this is the gospel, <laughs> amen. It is to, to open the eyes of the blind. This whole, this whole year, God has had me, has, has anointed me, right, to, to release the prisoners from their cages and to open the eyes of the blind. Many of us have been walking around blind. The Bible said the blind lead the blind, they all fall in a ditch. And we've just been blind. Paul said we're groping in darkness, trying to find, feel our way through things. And that's not the way God intends. Jesus said, I come that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. There is an abundant life that you and I are supposed to experience. Why are we not experiencing that abundant life? The Bible says, consider your ways, amend your ways, examine yourself. I mean, the word of God is filled with scriptures that talk about getting getting ourselves together. Ananias and Sapphira did the same thing. They both conspired. It was their money. You didn't have to lie. Just say, you know what? We've got plans for our money, but here, we'll give you $1,000. We're keeping this 95. It was your money. You could have done with it what you wanted, but they went and lied. And Peter said, why would you lie to the Holy Ghost? He said, was it not yours to do with what you wanted? And he said to the to the to the woman, he said, Behold, the same men that carried your husband's body, they're standing outside waiting to take yours. So they're just, you, you shouldn't lie, period. But they're just some people, you, you it's don't lie to some people. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Just say, I don't know what to say. Or just don't say nothing. I had nothing to say, no comment. It, you know, as opposed to just building case, building that case against you. Let's try to finish this up. And so he said, did my heart go with you? When the man turned again from his chariot to meet you, he said, is, listen, is it time to receive money and receive garments and olive yards and vineyards and sheep and oxen? G- Elisha read the man's whole heart. That He opened his heart and said, this is what you really want. You, you want a season of vineyards and olive yards. In other words, what Elisha was saying to Gehazi is, you're tired of serving and you're ready to get whatever you can get so you can take off and do what you want to do. Elisha exposed the man whole his whole heart. He said, Is that that time in your life? Is that the season where you're ready to build and you're ready, so you 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 don't want to serve anymore? Just say, hey, I'm I'm tired. But don't lie and be deceitful and be cunning and be disloyal. And so he said to to Gehazi, the same leprosy that Naaman was cleansed of now is going to cling to you. And Elisha cursed him. And I know a lot of people feel some kind of way about that, but I can't apologize for what's in scripture. He should have never done that. The should have went to Elisha and said, Elisha, I'm tired, I'm ready to quit. Can can I find you a replacement? I I need to go. But instead of doing that, he allowed his heart to, to turn cold and bitter. And he became a traitor. He became disloyal. He became a liar. He became a thief. You know what I'm saying? And at the end of his, he died being the same man. (laughs) The same miracle that he witnessed was his last miracle. And he had to wear that thing. That was a sign for the rest of his life that testified. Yeah, you did something. You did something. Later on, as I'm getting ready to close, because we're talking about the sting of betrayal. Now I told you how Gehazi ended. The Bible said, and he went out from his presence, a leper as white as snow. Gehazi was cursed from that point forward. But let's go back to Elisha. What happened to Elisha after that whole incident? You'll find that as Elisha continued to do the work of the ministry, he continued to serve as God's prophet. But the person who was supposed to receive his mantle was Gehazi. And what had happened to Gehazi? Gehazi became weary and well-doing, like many people do in relationships. I'm tired. I'm tired of being with one person. I'm tired of this job. I'm tired of this church. I'm tired of and, and they just they get weary and well-doing. But the Bible says you will reap if you faint not. And so many times when you get tired of something, that's the time when you're vulnerable because the enemy is going to open up a lot of doors of opportunities for you. I'm telling you this as a prophet, when you find yourself bored, which that's a sign in and of itself because it's always work to do. I I don't even know what bored is. I wish I had a moment to be bored. There's always something to do. But when you find yourself bored, you know, there's a cliche, it's not Bible, it's a cliche mind is the devil's workshop and you got all this time on your hands, just time. You are in your most vulnerable state. You're in your most vulnerable state, and you're gonna find all types of opportunities are gonna be presented to you. All types of opportunities. And if you're not careful, if you're not careful, you're gonna subscribe to something that looks good, sounds good, you see like you can get some gain out of it, and that can be the very thing that draws you away from your purpose and what God called you to do. And that's what happened to Gehazi. Gehazi stood to inherit Elisha's mantle. That's why Elisha kept Gehazi, despite everything. Elijah went through with gaze. He kept having to deal with him. He kept having to deal with him. But he he understood that as I receive a mantle from Elijah, I have to rep- I have to release this mantle in my departure. Same thing with Jesus, with Peter. Peter, y'all know Peter. Peter was forever doing something, forever saying something. And Jesus was always rebuking him and dealing with him. But Jesus understood this man is going to He's going to be the rock. He's going to be the great apostle to the Gentiles. And so uh, he, he bore along with him. He had patience with him. Everybody else is kind of like, why you got to, here goes Peter again. But Jesus, like, even when he cut off Malchus' ear, Peter said, Peter, put your sword away. And he healed Malchus' ear. When Peter denied him three times, Jesus still said, go, somebody go get Peter. Because he understood, Peter, you are that one in line. You are the one destined on the day of Pentecost to preach this gospel and save these people. And so Jesus understood, somebody's got to carry on this greater work. Elisha understood that too. And so he put up, and some of you have put up. I know I have put up with people because you're trying to get them to that place that God has for them. But one thing you can't do, and I have learned this and I I am learning it. You can't force anyone beyond uh, their capacity to endure. Not everybody has the same stamina to endure. I'm telling you. And so you you have to know when to take your hands off. And I'm learning that in this season. I'm learning to take my hands off and let God be God. All right. But with Elisha, he never, ever from the incident that happened with Gehazi, he never allowed another man of God to walk close beside him. And that's the sting. That's the sting of betrayal is that many people have said, I'll never marry again. I'll never trust another church. I'll never have another business partner. I'll never work that kind of job because they have been hurt so bad that they will, they refuse to put themselves in that situation to allow that thing to happen again. They won't do it. They'll walk through life like Elisha did. Go and read it for yourself. Elisha from that point forward, walked alone. He walked alone. And do you know what happened? People of God, when Elisha passed away. They buried him. And the Bible says that there was a time, I don't know if it was the Sabians or Syrians or who it was, that was some army conflict, military conflict. And they threw they didn't have time to bury this dead man's body. They threw the body in the cave where Elisha was. And the anointing that Elisha should have passed on to Gehazi was still resting on his bones. And that anointing was so strong, even in the cave, in the grave, it was so strong that the dead man came a lot. The power on on Elijah's bones were so strong, it resurrected the dead man. The man jumped about the grave and ran out of the cave. And some may say, wow, and find it very enthusiastic, you know, find it um, very um, an an enthusiastic end. But let me tell you something, that was was a shame because that anointing that resurrected that dead man was the mantle that should have rested on Gehazi. But because... Gehazi broke Elisha's heart. Like many today, their hearts have been broken. Brother in minister, you poured out, you poured out, you've helped, you've extended, you've done everything you could. And and you just, there's just no fruit or very little fruit. And so it can become, you can become so embittered to where you say, you know what? I'm never doing that again. That's it. You can be in a marriage or relationship with somebody and you've been as faithful as you can. You've done everything that you know to do to be a good spouse, to be a good partner, and they cheat on you or they drag your name through the mud or they steal from you or what have you. And it can do so much damage to where you would swear. Like the Lord swore in his wrath that I'm gonna kill y'all. He, said, <laughs> he says, I swear my wrath. You won't make it out of the wilderness, right? But you will swear to yourself, I will never, ever marry again. I will never enter another, entertain another relationship. I'm done. I'm done. You can just go ahead and put up the clothes sign, nail the door shut. I'm done business partners. People have shut down business destiny because they've been in partnership with someone and they put their names on the accounts. And the next thing you know, they leave town and take all the money with them. And it's just too painful to start business over, to start over from the ground. So they just say, forget it. I'll just go and work a nine to five. And they'll never uh, 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 touch those areas of their life again because of the hurt of betrayal. So Father, in Jesus name, as we have talked and as we have shared with your people coming out of 2 Kings chapter 5, God, we just pray first of all for those who have been wounded. And Father, we release a healing, a relationship healing virtue over your people. Lord God, we release God uh, a, a the bomb of Gilead that will soothe. Lord, even this message may have been painful for some even to listen to. I've had people tell me I couldn't even listen to the whole message. I I broke down and I had to come back and finish listening to it because the Holy spirit was moving and he was touching and he was, he was, he was ministering in, in, in the, in the, in the vein of the message. There's some father who had been wounded in marriage so bad. You, you, they, they were the best wife, the best husband they could have ever been. Gave their all open up and, and bore their whole soul. And some person just ran them over God as if they you know, and 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 stole their self-esteem, stole their self-worth, stole their own vision for their own life. But Father, in Jesus' name, restore the joy of their salvation. Mantle them, God, with the garments of joy and gladness, Father. Give them beauty for ashes. Those in business that had connected with people and the folks took their ideas, took their money, even took their clients. Heal and restore. Father, you are you are the you are the resurrection. You can bring it back, God, and bless it beyond the limits of their own understanding people in ministry, God, even myself that have been, that have been sheep bitten, that have supported and pushed and helped, whether it's members or mentees or sons and daughters, and they have turned around and like David said, have lifted up their heel against and made them to be the enemy. Many, many of my friends in ministry right now have shut their doors because of the pain. They are no longer able to, they just couldn't bear the pain. They couldn't bear what happened, what their family had to go through. They couldn't bear the shame. They couldn't bear the rumors, the bad reputation. Father, I pray for them, Lord God. I pray that you'll restore them, Lord God. I pray for healing in relationship, Lord God. But God, I also pray for those who are the, tar- the, the, the perpetrators. Even if you are one of those that are listening to me today, I want you to understand that you hurt somebody. You caused pain in someone's life. Nobody's perfect, but you had a responsibility to be truthful and to be honest. And God is saying to you, son, daughter, repent. Repent. You have heard this word. You have seen what that type of pain has done to people in ministry, business, or what have you. And you're standing on the wrong side of justice that God is saying to you, get your affairs in order, get your house in order, and repent and do your first verse over. God wants to restore you, but there are embargoes placed against you in the realm of the spirit, that until you get that right, the heavens above you will be brass because you have violated friendship protocols, marriage protocols, relationship protocols. You violated the oath of the brotherhood. The Bible says, love the brotherhood, fear the king. God expects us to be loyal. He even asked uh, Cain, he said, where's your brother? And God is saying to you, where is that one you hurt? That's still crying. They're afraid to trust. They're afraid to go to another church. They're afraid to start business. They're afraid to get married. God said, "Where, where have you sought them? Have you checked on them? Have you attempted to make things right? So today God is speaking to your heart and God is saying to you, get it right, repent, go back and do your first works over. Amen. Because God wants you to be blessed. God wants you to enjoy this life of faith, but you have to do it on his terms. So people of God, we love you and we bless you. This has been the word of God for the people of God, the sting of betrayal in relationships. And we're talking about overcoming relationship challenges. Those of you that have been hurt, let me say something to you as I get ready to close. Don't allow what someone has done to you be the benediction of your story. And I'm talking to you as a person who has, sometimes I tell God, Lord, what kind of heart did you give me? I'm telling you, when I I cry out in my anguish and in my despair, which is often, (laughs) because I carry a lot, praise God. And I often say to God, what kind of heart did you give me? Like, and I even told God one time, like I said, how much do you expect me to carry? And, and, and just walk it out. That's a real place. But let me tell you something. You can take your burdens to Jesus so that you don't become bitter. And so that you don't become distrustful and you don't become the person, you don't become what happened to you. Because that's the thing, hurt people hurt people. But you can go to God and say, God, take this bitter cup. Oh, help me drink it and help me uh, recover from it. Amen. But don't become what happened to you and don't let what happened to you be your benediction. Rise up. Rise up from that divorce. Rise up from that bad business deal. Hey, she key, know go shy. Rise up from that bad church experience. God has true bishops, true apostles, true uh, men and women of God. Everybody's not a, a Gehazi. Praise God. Everybody's not uh, Ananias and Sapphira. God has some true people out there. I was t- talking to one of you, know who I'm talking to, praise God, yesterday. Get your life back and go live. Go live your life. Amen. Let the devil know there's resurrection power on the inside of me. Though he, listen, even though God may have allowed that situation, though he slayed me in it, yet will I trust him. Trust God to bring you back, trust God to heal. And some of you, I hear God, you have old wounds. I heard God say old wounds, you got old wounds. And God said, I'm healing even old wounds, things that you just, I'm just gonna deal with it. I'll be fine. And you just patch it up and you kept on going, but it has affected your quality of life. It has, you're not living your best life. I don't care how many times you sing that song. You're not living your best life. You are not living that abundant life that Jesus Christ asked for you to have. But God is going to heal you and God is going to restore you and He's going to make you whole. Amen. So we love you. I love you. Amen. And I pray that this word has been a blessing to you. Listen to it as many times as you need to. Share it with somebody that you know need this, baby. You've been going through this for a long time. That man left, that woman left, and, and hear you all sad and tripping. You need to hear this message. God said, Live. Can these bones live? Prophesy. Speak life. Yes, I will recover. Yes, I will overtake. Yes, I will survive. Yes, I'm an overcomer. Yes, I will. Amen. God bless you.